the LifeSpring Church podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. Imaginations follow this story this morning or this illustration. If someone was to bring and present a dish full of sand and they were to tell you inside of this dish of sand are particles of iron and you were to look at it with your eyes and you were to begin to focus with your intent or you would begin to take your finger and, and move it around and try to detect those microscopic small little pieces of iron mixed in with the sand you would find that your eyes and your fingers are unable to detect the iron. But if someone was to hand you a magnet, you could take that magnet and set it in the dish of sand and you could begin to move it all around. And as you moved it, it would attract and pull out the iron. Even the smallest of particles that your eyes can't see and your fingers can't touch, they would all be attracted to that magnet. Can I tell you today that an unthankful heart is like our eyes and our fingers in the sand. It lacks the ability to discover even the smallest blessings in our life. Even any blessings in our life, really. But if you let a thankful heart begin to sweep like a magnet throughout your life, it will find the big blessings, the little blessings, the microscopic blessings. It'll gather all of the blessings together and you will know that heaven has blessed you. So what's the difference between an unthankful heart and a thankful heart? And how do I go from being an unthankful hearted person to a thankful hearted person? So today we're going to talk about the topic, conversion of the heart. Conversion of the heart. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3, and then we'll jump over to Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Matthew 18 and 3 says, And said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted. Look at your neighbor and say, you should be converted. And become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. In verse, or let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Again, they're speaking and he says, Verily I say unto you, except ye be curd. Nope, that's not right. My copy and paste didn't work. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. You can be seated this morning. Be ye thankful. If you were simply to take the commandment of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15 today, the commandment to you is be thankful. If God was to walk into the room today, he would have on his glorious celestial smile. He'd be wearing the crown. He'd be king of kings and lord of lords. He would have on his kingly robes. And with the golden scepter, he'd point it towards you. 
And in words of grace and mercy, he would say, be thankful. Be thankful. When we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the gospel, there is a conversion that takes place in our hearts, our minds, and our souls. There's a spiritual conversion that happens inside of us when we're obedient to the gospel. When we repent of our sins, we, we convert our intent from intending to live after the things of the world to be intent upon living after the things of God. When we're buried in the waters of baptism, there's a conversion. He, we are no longer a child of this life and of this world, but we become a child of God because we've taken on his name in baptism by being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Our soul is awakened. We are like Adam and Eve when the Garden of Eden, when they had no different no, uh, gulf between them and God. His spirit freely communicates and works and lives inside of them. The Bible says we are made alive through his spirit. There's a conversion that happens to us at salvation. But did you know conversions happen in our lives more than just at salvation? That's right. There's been many times I've experienced conversion in my heart. In my life. When I've woken up on the wrong side of the bed and have a bad attitude, I need a conversion. When I've let the stress of life and the struggle of every day come upon me and my, my demeanor is less than Christ-like, I need a conversion. There are times I've come to the house of God burdened and heavy with life or a situation or a circumstance and I found myself at an altar pouring out my heart to God, telling Him about my woes. And in those moments, I'm converted. He takes brokenness and converts it into healing. He takes uncertainty and converts it into trust in Him. He takes doubt and converts it into faith. So there are many times in our lives that we experience conversions. I would dare say being converted is a regular part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's part of the, I live in the world, but I don't want to be in the world and I don't want to live like the world. I want to be like Christ. And so Paul said, I die daily. He talked about crucifying his flesh. These are moments of conversion. Every time we go to the altar, we should be converted. Converted to be more like Christ. We've all experienced it. Let's be honest with one another today. Maybe transparent beyond our comfort zone, but the old heart, the old man, he tries to resurrect and take over a converted heart. Tuesday afternoon, after you've had a stressful Monday and then Tuesday morning, the old man says, hey, what about this? What about that? And emotions can run high and our thought process can get out of whack and maybe our intentions and our motives can drift 
And the old man's trying to raise up again. But no to the old man, you are dead. You died at an altar of repentance. You died at an altar of conversion. You do not come back alive today. I've been converted. I've been changed. I've been transformed. A converted heart is a thankful heart. If your heart has been converted, it's thankful. To my knowledge, I don't believe anybody in here has had open heart surgery. It's a big experience. It's a critical surgery. It's a life-changing experience. And just as they can go in and do work on your natural heart, they can do a conversion of your natural heart. They can replace this valve with a new valve or they can... They can do all kinds of crazy stuff with hearts today. I guess they even do full heart transplants nowadays. These are physical acts of conversion on the heart. Just as that happens and has, is a major surgery, so it is in our lives. It's a major thing when God reaches into maybe not our physical heart, but the seat of our emotion, the, the heart of who we are, the, the soul of our being. And he converts us from being a child of the world to being a child of of God. And in that conversion, an unconverted, unthankful, selfish, and prideful heart is converted to be a thankful heart. Sometimes it's a uncomfortable process. Our daughter is beginning to understand the word no. And she does not like that word. You're absolutely right. Matter of fact, pray for me. She's picked up this new thing where she begins to fake cry. When she doesn't get her way. She thinks she's going to convert my heart. <clears throat> because being told no is uncomfortable. How often have you told yourself no? Oh, it's 2013, or 2013. It's 2023 almost, Pastor. We're a postmodern society, preacher. Why in the world would we tell ourselves no? Everything is at our fingertips. We should say yes because it's all accessible and available. Let me tell you, availability doesn't mean it's right. Accessibility doesn't mean it's profitable to you. There are times that we have to tell an unthankful heart no, no to selfishness, no to pride, no to boasting. We must guard ourselves against a heart that is reverted back to unthankfulness. We've all gone through the process of having our heart converted in salvation, but we don't want it to revert back to where it was.
Did you know unthankfulness does not live in isolation? You can't be unthankful in your heart and not be the only thing that's going on because unthankfulness has companions. Unthankfulness has some undesirable friends that hang out with it. There are associated characteristics that latch themselves to an unthankful heart. And you find those in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. And he begins to describe unthankful people. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Pride. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. These are the characteristics, the companions that follow along behind an unthankful heart. It defines the passion, the focus of the hearts of many people that live in our society and the culture of the American way today. And we have to guard ourselves that we do not fall into this category of unthankful people. It outlines to us the companions that follow along. And all of these companions come from a single root, pride. If we were in math class today, we'd get on the chalkboard. I'm old school enough the chalkboards were green. And you'd pull out the chalk and you'd hear it screech across the chalkboard. And the teacher would write, unthankful equals pride. That's the equation. Unthankfulness equals pride. Selfishness. Boasting. It's like a garden. There are some flowers, some vegetables, herbs, things that grow in your garden. There are some things that you can plant with each other. Companion plants. You plant them together. There are other things that you shouldn't plant together because they can't tolerate one another. Sounds like a family vacation with teenagers in the back seat. Do they make little dividers that come down between the seats? You could get rich if you invent that. I just gave you a million dollar idea. They encourage, there are some that don't work well together. They don't encourage health and fruitfulness in their neighboring plant, while others do. Some plants can't grow together because they steal the nutrients or they block the essential sunlight or they bring pests that hinder the plant, of the, the growth of the plant next to them. And the same is true in life. Faith, humility, and thankfulness are companions. They support and sustain one another. As one increases, so do the others increase. But unbelief and boasting choke out 
the tiniest little seedlings of thankfulness. Pride and... Sorry, let me back up. Humility and gratitude feed off of each other. Did you know you can't be grateful and prideful at the same time? You can be prideful about how grateful you are, but you can't truly be grateful and prideful at the same time. Maybe we've all experienced those individuals who can tell you just how thankful they are. They can't coexist. You can't have a fountain that gives forth sweet water and bitter water at the same time. What happens if you turn on the faucet and it has sweet water and bitter water? Which one overtakes? The bitter water. You can't go out here to this water spigot that's out here in the ground. Turn it on. And you see the muddy, dirty water start to come out for the first few seconds. And you can't reason with somebody, oh, just part of it's dirty. The rest of it's clean. Just, just get you some of the clean part. That's nonsense. That doesn't make sense. You can't do that. It's the same with gratitude and pride. They can't coexist. They don't live together. Either we view ourselves as a source of good and we take credit for all of it. Or we acknowledge that God is behind everything that is good and we direct all the glory to Him. Because every good thing comes from above. Every good thing comes from above. And so we must have lives who are centered on God. And then gratitude grows and the companions of gratitude, thankfulness, come along and grow. Jesus gave an example in Luke chapter 18. He's preaching, teaching. And as he would do, he began to tell a story, a parable. Luke 18 and 9, he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Most of the time, the Bible just tells us that he told a parable and starts the parable. Isn't it interesting that in this instance, the Bible tells us, Jesus told a parable, and let me set the audience for you. Prideful people. Selfish people. People who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And here's the story he told them. Starting in verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, and one of the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. These people groups were familiar with Pharisees, right? They're the uber religious who had laws about how you're supposed to keep the law. The publicans, not republicans, publicans. These were the ones who were, I guess this term is a general term. It just refers to the normal, everyday worker. They didn't have anything special. Didn't have anything extra. Just an everyday Israelite that would go to the temple, a Jewish person that would just go to the temple and pray. Nothing special about them. No accolades, no rewards, nothing glamorous, just your everyday 
person, a publican. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. The Bible is so incredible. He prayed with himself. God probably wasn't listening. He was speaking words into the wall that bounced back into his own ears and made his own heart flutter. Here's what he said. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I just stopped praying. I'm like, all right, Jesus, you're going to have to help in a hurry because me and the Pharisee are about to have some words. Dude, pray for your own prayers. Leave me out of them. Why do you have to make your prayers personal towards me? But we see the pride and we see the arrogance and we see the boasting of the Pharisee. He continues, oh, he's not done. There's more about his goodness. I fast twice in the week. Yay. I give tithes of all that I possess. He's built his case. I know scripture says he prayed to God with a capital G. Because in his religious practice, it was his obligation and he was proud that he could pray to capital G, God. But can we be honest? The reality is he prayed with himself. And while he was praying to a God, he was not praying to the God. He was praying to his God himself. Look at all that I have done. Look at who I am. There was no thankfulness. There was no thanksgiving. There was no praise. There was no gratitude. There was no voice of humility. It was all about his religious practice and how it was greater than the non-religious practice of others. And then we see the publican's prayer in verse 13. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We see here in this example of the publican, it wasn't with great words, it wasn't with flattery, but it was with a humble posture and a humble voice. He began to pray the prayer, Lord, be merciful to me. It was a heart of thanksgiving. He realized his goodness wasn't going to come from himself. He realized his blessing couldn't come couldn't be produced by his hands. It would only come from God's mercy in his life. So we see the contrast in the way these men prayed between the unthankful heart and the thankful heart. Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. Paul is writing to the church in Rome, he says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. This statement set a process in order in the lives 
of these people. Because they refuse to acknowledge God and they refuse to glorify God and they refuse to be thankful, they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Can I be very transparent with you this morning? If you feel like you're struggling, getting closer to God, maybe take inventory of your heart today. Do you have a thankful heart? Do you have a heart that's showing appreciation and gratitude? Do you have a heart that realizes and understands, I am what I am only because of what He's done in my life? If we're left to our own vices and we're left to our own will and our own device, we find ourselves broken and hurting. When our, lie, when our eyes begin to lose focus on the master, the one who with his hands created our heart, the one who with his breath breathed life into our heart, when we begin to focus on ourselves, we lose sight of who is the great one, who is the king of kings, who is the Lord, pride begins to well up inside of us. It is when our humanity discovers, I have need. When our humanity discovers, there's parts lacking in my life. When we're honest and say, I hurt, I have wanting in my life. These things bring us to places of humility before a God who says, I'm the only one that can supply that need. I'm the only one that can feel the lacking in your heart. I'm the only one that can heal that particular hurt that's going on inside of you. I'm the only one that can supply what you're wanting in that part of your life. People will run to and fro in this earth, trying all different sorts of mechanisms to fill the empty void inside of their soul. But there's only one thing that can fill the soul, and that's the Spirit of God. There's only one thing that can satisfy your eternal desire, that is God. Oh, there are other things that can appease it for a moment of time. There are other things that can distract you from its emptiness. But they'll never fill it. They'll never satisfy it. On the topic of pride, some scientists got together and in all of their learning and education, they discovered that they could create life just like God did. And so they get a conference together and they decide, we need to show God our ability to create life. So they stand before God and they have this presentation already and they're beginning to, to explain to them, hey Lord, hey God, you need to know that me and my friends and my buddies here, we have, we have determined and, and figured out the key components needed for us to create life just like you did. And God's intrigued. He says, well, by all means, let's see the demonstration. And so the scientists gathered together and one says, we'll begin. And he scoops down and grabs a big handful of dirt. And God says, hold on. 
Get your own dirt. It all begins with God. Don't forget our beginning. He formed us in the womb. He created your personality and your character traits in the womb. He took the genetics from this side and from that side and melded them together to create you to be who you are. He gave you your hairstyle, your eye color, your looks, your height. He determined those things. He determined your future when you had not even yet been presented into this life. You're still forming and being shapen. He's already working on you. And anything that happens after that point has to be a blessing from God because we're here to receive it. So, in everything, we can be thankful to God. Let me ask you this question. What should be our response to others who have unthankful hearts? Well, Luke 6 and 35 gives us a little example. It says, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be called the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. We claim to be Christians. The term Christian means to be Christ-like, which means I want to be like Christ. And Christ, his example to us is to be kind to the unthankful and to the evil. I just found where I need Jesus more. Lord, help me to see what's going on around us. We must be aware, distinctly aware, when we are interacting in this world today. I don't want to overemphasize, and I don't know that I can overemphasize, but unthankfulness is like a highly contagious virus. Being exposed to an unthankful heart can make a person start to feel bad almost immediately. The number one means of transmission is conversation. You get in a conversation with someone who's unthankful. And before long, if that conversation lasts very long, that attitude of unthankfulness begins to seep into you and and the old man starts to try to rise up again and and we start to see all this going on around us thankfulness starts to fade if we're not carefully we'll join in the parade of unthankful hearts we'll campaign with them about all of our unmet needs all of our wants and desires that have never been addressed and then this pride is welling up and humility is draining out if we're not careful we'll end up completely sick, contagious, and sharing the virus of unthankfulness with everybody we come in contact with. Do you know there's some conversations that I find my way out of very quickly. 
you meet somebody and you start to talk with them. And you're like, hey, how was your day? And we all say, oh, it's great. Or we all give, you know, the, the platitude answers. Well, it's been a rough week. We had a little hard time here, there, whatever. But then there's some people you talk to and they're like, man, let me tell you how my week's been. And there are some situations in life that, that we need to share with each other. If you've had a hard week or in a, in a, an event or a circumstance that's taken you down and it's heavy and it's struggle, you need to talk through it. But we really shouldn't carry the fact that we got cut off on Monday in traffic the whole week and let it build on us. And, and we show, to ch- show up to church on Sunday and we can't praise Jesus because we got cut off in traffic five times. It's an unthankful heart that looks for every excuse. Well, I just wish, I just want, I just desire. Well, my lack of having this becomes the lack of having that. And this difficulty has led to this hardship. And before long, we've got this big, massive cloud weighing over our head. This big burden that we're dragging along behind of us because we've been unthankful. Be careful of those conversations. What one needs to avoid, the infection of unthankfulness, is a strong immunity to ungratefulness. We need an inoculation of humility. Lord, let us be humble. Real quickly this morning, well, the clock has flipped. Real quickly this afternoon. Let's talk about the thankful heart. Here is the prescription For having a thankful heart. Psalms 100 verses 4 and 5. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. How do I intent, become intent and be intentional? about thankfulness I enter into his gates with thanksgiving every time I begin to come together with the people of God every time I go into my prayer closet or I kneel down at my chair in my home and I begin to pray or I I find myself in that that place of prayer every time I go into that place I enter it with thanksgiving I begin with a voice, an attitude, a demeanor of thankfulness. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, for breath. Thank you, Lord. And you have a list. And if you were to thank God for everything that he's worthy of being thankful for, All we would ever do is thank God. It's true. If we have a hard time being thankful, here's a practical thing to do. If you have a hard time finding things to be thankful for, sit down with a piece of paper and begin to write a list. Just write a list. Don't write a list to throw away. Write a list to take with you to prayer. And use your list when you begin to pray. Lord, I want to thank you for, and you pull out your little list. Well, I'm reading, I'm reading to God in prayer. Yeah, that's right. But we're intentional. 
These are the specific things I've thought about that I'm thankful for, and I need to express that gratitude to God. Lord, I'm thankful for, and go through your list. That's entering his thanks, his courts with thanksgiving. We should enter into his, thank, his courts with praise. Not only should we enter, but we should be praising him while we're entering. Here's what praise is. I'm not going to teach you a whole Bible study on praise and worship tonight, to this morning. That's a, you don't have to be fearful of that. Let me give you the quick definition. Praise is expressing gratitude to God for what he has done. Worship is recognizing who God is. So you praise him for his acts, you worship him for who he is. Has God ever done anything good for you? Just one thing. Has God done one thing good for you? Yes, he's done one thing good for me. He's done more than one thing good for me. I have at least one reason to be thankful and to praise him. And that's the next passage of this verse says, Be thankful unto him and bless his name. This is the prescription for a thankful heart. Be thankful and bless his name. Bless literally means to bow before God. To get prostrate before, the, before God. It's the posture of humility. Humble yourselves before God. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. I'm quickly going towards a close this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15 says, Put on therefore... As the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection, of perfectness. And then here's what he said. Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted. I don't know what happened with my notes. Go back to Colossians 15, 3 and 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. So the command from God is to be thankful. So let our hearts be thankful. If our hearts are not thankful, then maybe today is a great opportunity to have a fresh conversion of your heart. Jesus, teach us to have thankfulness in our heart. He taught the process in Matthew 8, 1 through 4. And at the same time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, they asked a prideful question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye be converted. Your prideful question indicates, is evidence of unthankfulness in your heart. And when that unthankful heart is converted you will become as a little child verse 4 
Whoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest and the kingdom of God. Humility is the process of converting an unthankful heart. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.